1: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of The Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about the 20th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Joining us in the studio are three guests. We have with us Barbara Salisbury, who is the Monroe County Outreach Coordinator with the Southern Southern Indiana Center for Independent Living and also a member of the city's Council for Community Accessibility. We have Brad Galen, who is the Senior Director of Human Resources and Corporate Compliance at Stone Bell Arc Incorporated. And Bloomington psychologist Don Weller is also here with us today. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. Welcome to everybody.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thanks for being Thank here with us. On this hot, hot day. It's very hot day. <laughs> You really had to want to be here to be that's here right. today. But it's cool I, in
1: here. Yeah. I have to shovel sunshine. <laughs> yeah, right. I should uh, – I wanted to start out just by giving a little bit of background. Um, the American with Disabilities Act, the ADA, was passed July 26, 1990. That will be 20 years ago Monday. this mm-hmm. so upcoming mm-hmm. Monday. became effective on January 26, 1992. The ADA is a landmark federal legislation that opens up services and employment opportunities to the 43 million Americans with disabilities. So the law was written in an effort to strike a balance between the reasonable accommodation of citizens' needs and the capacity of private and public entities to respond and respond quickly to what was needed. Uh, It's intended to eliminate illegal discrimination and to level the playing field for people (coughs) who have disabilities. So that was the intent of the law. Do you all want to give it a grade here 20 years later?
2: Don? (laughs) Don? As an individual with a disability, I've benefited greatly. I had an accident uh, right when George Bush signed this in. So Mm. um, I'm a newbie that's benefited um, from the ADA. Mm -hmm. Um, Access, uh, rehabilitation services... Um, I've been pretty fortunate in my work, though. I've seen some issues where individuals with uh, mental health issues, developmental disabilities, uh, sometimes uh, don't always get full access to the law. You Mm -hmm. certainly have to be able to be an advocate and understand the workings of the law to get full benefit from it.
1: Mm -hmm. Barbara, what kind of grade would you give it?
3: I guess it depends on the, the <laughs> systems issue you're talking about. But, but I mean, I've benefited from it. I, in my job, I use a lot of accessible technologies on my computer, and I, I couldn't do my job without it and without all those um, softwares and hardwares that, that have been developed. So it's made em, employment uh, for people with disabilities and particularly people with vision impairments and all those computer access um, availabilities to those Um, As far as people with disabilities and vision impairments in in particular, like myself, employment is still a ways to go. We still have some uh, hurdles to leap. But, you know, the ADA gave us that springboard and there's other pieces of legislation that are even now before Congress that are going to benefit – Um, people with disabilities, particularly those with vision impairments and um, those with hearing disabilities. So um, that have to do with, uh, and this particular issue I'm thinking about has to do with um, making telecommunications and video uh, services more accessible. So, and that's Supposed to be signed hopefully within the next couple of weeks in honor of the ADA Mm -hmm. and the celebration of the the ADA.
1: You know, uh, before I go to Brad, I want to mention in some of my research, I I noticed that the law itself is made up of of five titles they call them. And you mentioned telecommunications. That's the fourth title in the the original law (laughs) that was written. So Mm -hmm. telecommunications, devices and services for hearing and speech impaired and, and mm-hmm. visually impaired is certainly one of the key elements and it may be one that's there little that's a little further behind
3: well this this particular is HR 3101 and that's what's called in the house anyway and that it's just it's going to update the, the telecommunication bill of 1934 to come in line with the language of the ADA and and um, and, and further peoples that, that people that don't hear well and people that, that have of low vision, to be able to access all the wide range of telecommunications that's out there and really isn't very accessible at this point. So that's a step forward, and, uh, and, and really that's, that's coming out of the ADA.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Brad, I wanted to give you a chance to answer that. Could you give it a grade? How, how well are we doing?
4: I think it's a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. It certainly has opened up more doors, both literally and figuratively, I think, in that case, On the employment aspect though, percentage-wise when we look at it, really the same number of people with disabilities are still struggling to find employment today as they were in 1990. So although it's opened more doors, they still aren't completely open. I think it's really opened the eyes of our society to physical accessibility and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. I think those areas are improving – but you get the area, as Barbara was just saying, about telecommunications, the heavy reliance we are as a society now on email and web-based programmings mm-hmm. and you have closed captioning on, on televisions. But if you go to watch a live web stream of something um, – I, I just heard an example last night of the Indiana House. They're in proceedings. You can watch it online. There's not an option to close caption it
5: mm-hmm.
4: for individuals who may be hearing impaired. So – it's opened some doors. There's still a long way to go though.
3: And with the communications and the telecommunications, I can tell you how many times in, in traveling by myself and going into a hotel room and I couldn't even operate the television. You know, there, I mean that's a very simplistic example but … Um, and so, if there's any emergency systems thing, any, anything going on that I needed to know,
5: mm-hmm.
3: I wouldn't be able to turn the TV on to find out. And once I turned it on, I may not have known anyway because it may be scrolled
5: mm. rather
3: than announced. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's just a very simple example. But um, anyway, that
2: mm-hmm. so yeah. And when Brad talks about opening doors, um, like I said, there's always the interpretation of the law. I can go into one hotel room and it will be wonderfully accessible, Mm -hmm. and I will go into another one Mm -hmm. and I won't be able to get into the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's all about interpretation. Mm -hmm.
1: All right. Our phone number, we're talking about the uh, 20th anniversary of the ADA. <coughs> Our phone numbers, if you'd like to join us today, are 855-0811, 1-877-285-9348. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition.
0: I remember uh, 20 years ago when, when this came into uh, effect, I was working in a position that was part-time HR, and so we were all scurrying around trying to learn <laughs> what reasonable accommodation meant and and you know what we needed to do about that and, oh, gosh, you know, looking at all of our facilities, trying to figure out how what needed to be changed and upgraded or reconfigured. So, Brad, I'm really interested by your um, comment that the same number of people are, are unemployed, uh, same people, n- mm-hmm. number of people with disabilities are unemployed now as 20 years ago. What do you attribute that to?
4: That's That's a difficult question to answer. I think part of it, like we're all seeing, is the economy, I think, part of it. But I think the the last statistic I was able to find from the Bureau of Labor Statistics from last month, June of 2010, said um, less than 22% of people with disabilities of working age were employed, compared that to 70% of people without disabilities. So certainly a significant thing there. One of the things you just touched on is as an HR person, figuring out the right thing to do. is not always an easy. What would they... The language is sufficiently vague, reasonable mm-hmm. accommodations. Right. What's reasonable, what's not? And in 2008, there was actually an amendment to the ADA, the ADAA that was mm-hmm. passed, that expanded that a little bit more and, and talked about you have to go through an interactive process. So it, it's not enough. If I have a an employee with a disability comes to me and says, I want this accommodation, I can't just say no and close the book and, and move on. There has to be an interactive process that we have to enter into to figure out what kind of reasonable accommodation can we meet that's both reasonable to us as an employer as well as meets the accommodation need of the employee.
3: Mm-hmm. I think it's also attitudinal, if that's the right word. Um, and I know with uh, as someone with a vision impairment and statistically people who are blind or vision impaired are probably the most unemployed or underemployed. And I think part of it is someone might be able to envision how it, we're such a site-oriented um, society. Like, how are you going to do this job? And I think also most of the people I know with disabilities that are working, a lot of them are working in the disability industry. I mean, if you looked at my resume, you go, this person has a disability, you mm-hmm. know. And and so, it, so it's um, – and then you, your resume may, may be passed by, and and uh, so I think that's part of it. It's kind of attitudes, that, and those are slow to change. Even in 20 years, it seems like a long time, but still. Yeah.
2: And the percentage that Brad quotes, um, if you look at some other specific diagnoses, autism or even autism spectrum, like Asperger's, unemployment rate is close to 91 percent, and In many instances, these are very capable individuals who just have some awkward quirkiness in terms of the way Mm -hmm. that they interact or poor executive functioning skills. So as you look at certain populations within disability, folks with cognitive disabilities often are not in real challenging jobs. Mm -hmm. And Stone Belt in the community does as well as they do, so does options. But still, um, their workshop right now is probably not working at a full capacity in terms of just – the economy is not allowing for the work to be at the workshop
1: mm-hmm. all right we have a phone call and it's our state representative Peggy Welch Peggy
6: hi guys hi Peggy, Peggy. Um, out running errands and I'm so glad I'm catching the show because I'm real interested in this I've had the privilege of working on legislation on a couple of different things the Medicaid buy-in program and then also working on legislation to make sure that at least what Indiana state government is to be accessible but these pieces these of the legislation are several years old now My question to you all, and somebody just made reference to we do live stream and we also have archived um, different proceedings that we have, committee meetings and our commission (coughs) meetings. Uh, You need to bring us up to speed to make sure that we are using the best software to make sure that what we are providing is accessible. So I guess my question is what do we need to be doing to get up to speed um, and have the the pieces of legislation which others and I have worked on is Indiana government accessible as it is to be? And one of the things we specifically worked on was the telecommunications.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Barbara? That's a good
3: question. <laughs> 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 um, it, it is, and I have to admit, I, I have just begun to work uh, with the web, <laughs> and I can't say that I'm extremely savvy, but I am learning and I'm starting to explore around and do research on different things and a lot, of, a lot on bills and, and things like that, because that's what I work with a lot. And it is very frustrating to uh, go to a website that's supposed to be accessible, and it isn't. And, and so, um, so as far as, I can't tell you what softwares can be, but there are lots of people that can. And, I mean, that's a whole industry of its own is accessible technologies. And uh, your average computer person would not be able to probably. But, but you know, there's crossroads. um you had
6: the Attain program that was so good in, in helping, you know, they, they were real leaders. In helping us in government, at least working with me mm-hmm. on these pieces of legislation, so that things we were more accessible. But I feel like maybe we we haven't been focused on that on that well enough in the last few years. So that's why I'm I'm kind of glad to hear this, but I also need to be brought up to speed. Yeah,
3: and and a lot of times I'll go to a website and it'll say mouse over, and these I mean these are things because I'm working with a screen reader that reads everything that's on the screen. So you know uh-huh. I'm not looking at it; I'm listening, and it'll say mouse over. Well. I can't click that link because uh-huh. I don't use a mouse. In fact, the yeah. mouse on my computer is disabled, you know, uh-huh. so, so that nobody can use my computer. Yeah. And uh, so it has to be links that are clickable and by um, keystrokes, for example. Yeah. And and that's just so simplistic. It's much more complicated than that. But mm-hmm. um, but now yeah, the web is in general can be very frustrating, particularly for people who, with vision impairments that are using screen readers.
4: Mm-hmm. Brad, uh-huh. did you have any? Uh Uh, I I mean Peggy is very familiar with us and the work we do and is a great supporter. (coughs) I think one of the things I would encourage her is to just talk directly to those who are affected. Get Mm -hmm. in there and I know you're very good at getting out in the community and doing that. The the local CCA is a good good access point for that and I'm sure there are equivalents throughout the state that will – give you the same kind of feedback and can point you in the right direction mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. software needs to be used or what particular things work or do not work as well.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. says well, Project Action. Mm-hmm.
6: Well, thanks very much. And, and I would appreciate y'all following up with me too. Uh, I know Barbara's been at the state house and has done some lobbying on, on different issues, but this um, I would really appreciate some, some follow-up and feedback with me and see what we can do to make sure we bring things up to speed. Okay. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Peggy. Peggy.
6: Thanks, guys.
1: All right. Thank you. Peggy well, our state representative. Uh, if you have a question or comment, phone us at 855 811 877 285 And the website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. You guys were talking uh, before we took the call about Attitudes, and you know, I I think you can't necessarily legislate attitudes. So, in this last twenty years, have you seen, um, you know, have there been shifts? And, and Barbara, from your perspective, have have people uh, have the attitudes toward people with disabilities? Improved in general.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, they have improved. There's no doubt about that. And and I, I heard an example yesterday. I was at the ADA summit up in Indianapolis, and I heard an example given, and I thought it was a really good one. When the ADA was first it came on the scene, you know, people were sitting in seminars and workshops, and everybody had their arms crossed and their legs crossed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like. You want us to do what <laughs> you know and mm-hmm. and now their their arms are uncrossed, and their legs are, uncrossed and they're more op- they're more open it's more mm-hmm. like not we have to do that it's more like w- how do we make this work mm-hmm. so the, the the questions have shifted and become more positive so there's definitely been been attitudinal changes and 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 we have places to go yet, but there have been definite changes mm-hmm. so
4: I think you see a questioning shift as well. At least I have observed it among a lot of the HR folks that I get to interact with as being part of the HR association locally where the focus is getting away from the disability and what someone cannot do because of it and Mm -hmm. looking at what what can this person do, looking at that, their qualifications and what they can do. It's certainly not universal. I'm not sure we'll ever get to universal, but we're certainly progressing on that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, we we live in Bloomington, Indiana, home of (coughs) Indiana University, as well as lots of other important institutional, or I mean educational institutions. And I'm wondering um, how successful those institutions have been in uh, making some uh, reasonable accommodation kind of, of shifts to make it easier to fully participate in their organizations.
2: Um, My experience uh, working at the college internship program, we have young students between the ages of 18 and 23 participating at Ivy Tech and Indiana University. Ivy Tech is is wonderfully accessible. They have a great disability support center out there Mm -hmm. uh, making accommodations, um, extra time, note takers, all kinds of sort of things. And so I think at the uh, community college level, it's it's pretty accessible. Mm -hmm. Here at IU, you know, I'd give it a fair mark. you know, they have a disabled student service office. Um, the label in itself is, is sort of debilitating, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> disabled student yeah, it service? <laughs> um, maybe we could change the language a little bit to be mm. a student support center or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but of course, you know, with the law um, brings sort of the onus on the individual to document their disability. Again, the person often is in the place to say, I need this help, rather than it going in as a mutual partnership. So I would say Ivy Tech has done a pretty nice job. IU certainly is accessible, though you have to provide the right documentation to be able to get the right supports.
3: In fact, I think they call their their disability services office Ivy Tech, I think they call it the Success Center.
2: Yeah yeah oh, so yeah
1: well yeah let's just pursue that a little bit with the whole issue of language i mean i 've written columns about it we we have you know we'll, we'll do really well for a while and then we 'll have something in the newspaper where it 's somewhat insensitive. I mean, can we talk about that issue and brad i 'll turn to you first, the issue of of the kind of language that's
4: used and the the negative impact it can have. We We certainly encourage what's called person-first language. So you describe the person first and I'm, I take it from a perspective where if the disability doesn't matter. You don't talk about it. So for, for a long time, I would talk about someone I work with and would help me do orientation and everything and what a great help she was and I would always talk about her in a very positive light. And a friend of mine came to see me at work and I introduced my friend to this person who is a client of ours who has a disability. Never once did I mention her disability because he told me after – I didn't know that person was one of your clients. I thought it was one of your staff. And so it's really important that you use that person-first language. You don't talk about the, the wheelchair-bound person. You, you may mm-hmm. talk about, oh, so-and-so uses a wheelchair you know, from that person-first language. is very, very important, something we teach from day one to our newly hired staff because we have some clients who are very sensitive to it as, as they should be.
2: And um, going back, if you look at the term handicap, that goes way, way back to uh, cap in hand where people Mm -hmm. would have to beg and and, and people with disabilities would have to beg and get money. And so – you know, even all these handicapped signs around the town are, are somewhat not really person-first language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be yeah. better um, individuals with disabilities, and I think even at, at Stone Belt, they might even prefer the word consumer over a
4: client.
2: Mm-hmm. From the, some of the yeah,
4: that—that's that that, actually a. Um Ongoing debate between client and consumer, even between the client slash consumers. It's it's been a consumer for a long time because they were consumers of services. That's a question we get a lot. The nationwide shift now is starting to go more back toward client because they realize that they are receiving professional level support. They don't want to be patients because they're not sick, but they are still receiving that professional support. Mm-hmm. I know
3: in the, and with centers for um, Independent Living, we use the term consumers. And um, so, I, you know, it, it – I don't know, consumers, clients. You know, but yeah. but you, I guess I think, of, I think of the more people – as I work with clients or consumers, they, I think of them as consumers our customers, almost. Mm-hmm. So, well,
1: We have a phone call. Let's go to uh, Nancy on the phone. Nancy? Hello? Hello, Nancy. Go ahead.
7: Um, I am interested in the television being more accessible to those of us who are visually impaired. I'm aware that closed captioning is quite pervasive now on television and I think is even supported um, by um, companies underwriting it. And I understood that Uh, DVS uh, services were to be available on television, but then I also heard that it had stopped because um, the uh, Congress had received information that we really didn't need it, and I would argue that point. What does this new law provide for the visually impaired on on, um, being able to uh, have that uh, DVS services on television? Okay, um,
1: Barbara, can you define DVS services?
7: Uh, Descriptive well, video. Descriptive video okay. services.
3: Um, um, this is part of what this new legislation, HR thirty one hundred one, in part to, in addition to upgrading the Telecommunications Act of nineteen thirty four, it's going to reinstate the FCC. Um, uh, guidelines or, or act that was put into place – well, it was initiated back in the 90s, but it was thrown out by the courts. Right. And um, so it's going to reinstate that. And uh, it's getting support from both the House and the Senate. I mean it, it is expected to pass. And uh, it will have – of course, as everything else, it will be a while to see everything put into place and actually – activated, but at least it will be there on the books as a law. And so it is going to have a big impact on telecommunications, cell phones, televisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and with all the cell phone, the boom of all the smart and everything they're not accessible by and large to a lot of people with vision impairments (laughs) they really aren't so but there's a lot that they can do including dance almost that (laughs) that we can't we we as people with visual impairments we can't make them do it Mm -hmm. you know we can't access it now they're getting better they're improving even there are some units out there now that can that do a lot more than others but they're pretty expensive too
8: that's right.
3: So, yeah.
7: The accessibility, I, from the financial <coughs> perspective, as well as the ease in using seems mm-hmm. to be comprehensive.
3: But I think you will see more video description with this law. The long and the short of it is to answer your question more directly, maybe, is that that, that, it, that is going to be a, a large part of this, is, is more uh, description. So.
7: And will it be easily accessible?
3: Well, hopefully, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that's to be played out. But that—that's the goal. That's the goal.
7: Thank you.
1: All right, Nancy. Thanks a lot for the call. We're going to take a uh, break. We're talking with uh, Barbara Salisbury, Brad Galen, and and Don Weller today about the 20th anniversary of the Americans with Disability Act. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back.
9: This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Game musical mini-quiz, as well as play and opera reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m., and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org.
1: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg along with Mary Catherine Carmichael, and we're talking about the 20th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Today, we have three guests in the studio. Barbara Salisbury is here. She's Monroe County Outreach Coordinator with the Southern Indiana Center for Independent Living and also a member of the City's Council for Community Accessibility. Brad Galen, who is Senior Director of Human Resources and Corporate Compliance at Stonebelt Arc Incorporated, And Bloomington psychologist Don Weller is here as well. If you have questions or comments, phone us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition.
0: Okay, so this 20th anniversary is not going by without a little hoopla, I understand. <laughs> Barbara, did you have some information about an event coming up?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, the Community Council on Accessibility, we're having our celebration in Bloomington, along with other sponsors, um, and, of course, through the Community and uh, Family Resources Department. And, um, and that's on the 29th in the evening at the F- Fountain Square um, Ballroom. We're having a jazz uh, or boogie woogie blues pianist. Uh, uh, Pinnock is her last name, Liz Pinnock, Liz. and um, and her husband, Doctor Blues, <laughs> and <laughs> and um, and it's going to be some. There art displays, and we have a poster contest, and. Um, it's, it's going to be a great evening. Yeah, it starts
4: it, at 6 o'clock at right. Fountain Square Ballroom.
3: And a, and a cash beverage bar and hors d'oeuvres. So we're really excited about that. And, of course, there's a big celebration in Indy on Monday that uh, Indiana Institute on Disability and Community, along with the Governor's Planning Council, is sponsoring. And that one is a, a big ordeal down at um, the Arts uh, Garden in Indy from 1030 to 130. And, and they're going to have a – freedom bell ringing ceremony and a cutting of a cake and a uh, birthday cake, 20-year birthday cake for the anniversary. So it, it's – there's a lot going on. So
4: I know one of the things <clears throat> that the institute, they were looking for and asked us as providers to find people who were born on July 26th that oh. optimally on 1990, we didn't have anyone born – 1990, but we had a couple of people we were able to get them in touch with so they could be part of that kind of birthday celebration yeah. as well
0: that's very cool yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: all right I wanted to go back to uh, um, a couple of issues one Barbara, you just moved back to Indiana a couple of years ago. you said mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you were working in Virginia as a systems advocate in transportation and mm-hmm. wanted to talk about the issue of transportation and how you know how m- much of a problem that is how how um, how much progress we've made there with the ADA?
3: I think we've made a lot of progress. Uh-huh. Um, you know, with fixed any fixed route system now in the United States has to have what is called a paratransit uh, service and PTS, and it is a complementary service and it's only for people with disabilities and 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 there's a lot of complexities with the way paratransit works. And here in Bloomington, we call our paratransit BT Access. And, but it is there, and it wasn't there before, and um, and it's it's working it out its issues, but nationwide, but it, it's ongoing, and uh, it's improved a lot. Um, but transportation is more than transit, and this is a, a big thing for me because pedestrian issues are you got to get from point A to point B mm-hmm. in order to catch the bus, mm-hmm. and that is a huge issue, and. That goes to planning and development and long-range transportation. And so um, I would really love to see people with disabilities involved on a long-range – in the planning and development stages where where things happen. And because then you get something passed 20 years down the road and you find out – or something is ready to be implemented and um, it's not accessible. Mm. You know, and so – And I'm sure Don can speak to um, some of the pedestrian issues too.
2: One thing I was going to raise about (coughs) BTX, as wonderful as it is, um, there's a 19-page application that you have to fill out to be able to have Mm -hmm. access to that. Mm -hmm. And it might take four to six weeks for that application to be reviewed.
3: It's very intrusive.
2: And so – You know, that's, again, you know, you have a disability. It's pretty obvious. I'm a guy with a wheelchair. Um, Yet I need to fill out a long application that says I qualify as an individual with a disability. And so that's where the law is fantastic. And at the same time, you need to, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's to be able to get on the bus. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, that that seems... Pretty amazing to me. that yeah. you'd have a 19-page application.
2: Well, maybe I'm I'm fudging on a on a page or two, but it is so long. <laughs> you're
3: only fudging two pages. <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: and then on top of that, you need to go to your doctor to have your doctor sign it. Mm-hmm. To That's authorize convenient. Things. And so, you're gonna take the bus? Uh, no, I'd take my wheelchair probably. <laughs> <laughs> but but and I don't want to sound you know unappreciative. I mean, it's a fabulous. Oh, it is. It's mm-hmm. a fabulous service, though. Um, to, to go through so much to be able to access it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, uh, at what point does accessibility mean sort of a pain in the butt, and I'll just mm-hmm. figure it out myself? And, and the, and the bus
3: system is accessible. I mean, the buses are accessible. Mm-hmm. But then, if you can't get to the bus, then you know, I'm, I'm talking about fixed route. is, sure. is accessible. Mm-hmm.
2: And a lot of fixed <coughs> routes. Um, Don't have bus shelters. Um, A lot of times drop-offs are in grassy areas. Or they need to pull into an intersection to let the bus down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it creates some safety issues as well. Not only to mention the stigma of being downtown at 5 o'clock in traffic. And you know they're not being an accessible place to stop to to let all the buses out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. one of the
4: things I think Bloomington with BT Access and then Rural Transit and that serves the outside the city limits is pretty accessible. Mm-hmm we're probably ahead of the curve of a lot of communities when it comes to that kind that level of transportation and and paratransit type of things you'll see it in the Mm -hmm. larger cities but not necessarily as much in rural areas so Mm -hmm. if you're an individual with a disability in a rural area it could be even more difficult to get from point a to point b Mm -hmm. because of those
3: Mm -hmm. And, and that is true because in virginia i lived in a a small urban area but but all these surrounding areas that butted right up against the city were not accessible. I mean you could cross city county city urban, um, city county lines and not even know it in, in a vehicle. but if you didn 't drive a vehicle, you couldn 't cross that line and because there was no rural transit, <laughs> so we are ahead of the the game. In this area, so um, that's to our benefit here. So,
0: what about the new bus station? Have you had any, uh, <coughs> have you had an opportunity to have any uh, input on the planning stages for that? We will um, actually the the B
3: Code, which is the Bloomington Council on Accessible Transportation uh, meeting, was scheduled to meet uh, well just a couple of weeks ago in July, but we was postponed because the around the first of August the architect is supposed to be in town and is going to meet with B Code so or with the Bloomington Council on Accessible Transportation. So if you're if you're someone with a disability or you have an interest in accessibility issues as a uh, with this new transfer point, then you know, call BT and have them let you know when that meeting is going to be. I'm not sure when it's going to be scheduled yet.
1: Okay, we have a phone call. Let's go to Deborah on the phone. <coughs> Deborah.
8: Hi. Thanks for having a program like this. Um, I I am a healthcare worker, and I um, work with someone who has MS, and her husband, um, and there's um, bladder it. Sorry about that. There's bladder problems with the um, with that disease. And so whenever they want to go out, and she's, um, <coughs> oh, I wish there wasn't another call, call coming in on my phone. Um, there, whenever there is um, a need to go out, they have to sneak out a visit maybe for an hour and a half into town because she'll have to come right back here to use the, mm-hmm. you know, the commode. And it's because the, um, <coughs> the um, handicapped ex- uh, bathrooms, don't have anything to lean up against in the back. None of them do. Not even in doctor's offices. Yeah. So they, she can't hold herself up against that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for him to hold her up. Mm-hmm. And so they just don't use it for the past 10 years. Wow, that- <laughs> well,
2: I hope they raise the issue to oh, the yeah. different businesses that they go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I found in Bloomington businesses to be really accessible. The old Joseph Shoe Repair Place for the longest time wasn't accessible. Um and before he passed on, you know, we worked really hard to at least make a landing so you could get inside um, and not do your business out on the, um, the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. So I'd encourage that person or those, those folks to talk to the businesses.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I love the introduction. You see this now um, in different places, particularly in Bloomington. I didn't see it as much in, in Virginia. But the, the family restrooms, mm-hmm. the unisex restrooms, they're great. You know, so that your your partner can go in and help you if you need help. And, and
8: the university doesn't have it either and they like to go to concerts. Mm-hmm, so they mm-hmm. can't you know, she can't lean back against <coughs> anything. You know, yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Mm-hmm. But,
1: you know. All right. Well All right. thank thank you, Deborah.
4: Thank you. Yeah. The ADA has their physical requirements and a lot of times that may not be enough. If you have somebody who is in a mm-hmm. larger larger chair or needs that extra assistance in there. I know the restrooms that we put in at Stone Belt, uh, we, we've joked that they could be the Taj Mahal of restrooms <laughs> at times <laughs> just because of their sheer size. Mm-hmm. But we need that extra space. It makes it so much easier to move around. Right. And mm-hmm. So just because someone is meeting the ADA code to the letter, it still may not be enough and it sounds like that's what she's running into. exactly. Mm-hmm. And
3: that's – I'm so glad, Brad, that you brought that up because – you know we talk about ADA compliance, which is important and but um I wish we could start changing our language to universal universal access for for everyone and um, um, because and, and also i can 't tell you how many restrooms i 've gone into, and being blind i 'm like I walk on the door and I go. Okay, <laughs> where is it? You know, because it, every bathroom is designed differently. Yeah. So it's you know it's. It, it, my husband's opened the door and said, "Are you lost?" I'm like, "Shut the door, please."
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs>
3: well, but then anyway, we're,
2: we're an aging population too, and so exactly um, the chances of of healthy people that are in their forties needing to use. Universal design when they 're in their eighties is very likely, and exactly. so really as a, a caring society, it just makes a lot of sense that yeah. is
0: exactly the point I was going to bring yeah. up i 'm thinking with all the aging baby boomers i mean and then we 've had other guests on the show who have pointed out that we 're really all only temporarily abled, exactly. and that this need you know that for our, in our own selfish best interests, we need to be more concerned about this and I mm-hmm. think that Uh, especially as a a baby boomer who has cared for an aging Mm -hmm. parent. I mean, you really appreciate it when, as you mentioned, the the family restroom thing, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's just a tiny little snapshot or glimpse into Mm -hmm. what I'm sure are ongoing challenges every day for millions of folks out there. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Well, Don, I wanted to ask you, (coughs) you mentioned you used the word newbie before that you had an accident. And, and you know, I... From your perspective, I mean, how how have your attitudes changed and and what have you learned now that you're you're using a wheelchair now? And uh, were there things that you just used to take? I mean, you took things for granted, I'm sure, that now you face head on.
2: Um, I guess access mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm real fortunate. Um, I've had really positive experiences. Um, That's not to say that there haven't been frustrations. Um, Mm -hmm. Two weeks ago, my wheelchair broke found a wonderful guy, the wheelchair doctor, but still it took a week to get the parts, um, and it ended up costing a whole lot of money. And so um, I guess my biggest frustration is when something breaks or when I'm going down a a sidewalk in Bloomington and it's really uneven or it's very broken up and, you know, it triggers a spasm and then, you know, you're sort of all over the place. Um, You know, in terms of my changing, um, I think... Um, after my my accident, I sort of thought of disability as guys in wheelchairs. Uh, but through a master's degree in real rehabilitation counseling, I got exposure to all kinds of other disabilities. Um, and they're not always ones that you see or that are visible. Uh, a lot of times there are invisible disabilities, uh, learning disabilities, mental health issues, um, speech difficulties. Um, you know, there's a whole host of things. And so I guess I've just broadened my... my uh, openness. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and now you said before we uh, went on the show that you work with people at the corrections facility?
2: Uh, yes, work with individuals with chronic mental health issues. Um, <laughs> it's actually uh, something that started by uh, Mr. Salzman and it's carried on by Mr. Gall. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole initiative is to Shorten the stay of individuals with chronic mental health issues, mm-hmm. so that they get from corrections into some type of treatment, mm-hmm. um, and that's a, a really unrepresented population. But mm-hmm. every thirty days um, in the prosecutor's office, we're talking about the individuals that that fit that criteria to, to get them out and and into treatment. Mm-hmm.
1: But that is as as you said, a mental health issue is a disability. Very much so, be a disability, and mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. those are other other folks that need. Accommodation.
2: Very much so. Very much so.
0: We've had an email that's come in. Okay. Uh, it says regarding the communication technologies that can help people with disabilities, the IU Adaptive Technology Program in the Wells Library is a great resource for the IU community. And if they have time, they also help community groups with some projects. So are you guys aware of this program?
5: Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, although the Wells <coughs> Library is not particularly the most accessible building in town. Um, The entrance in the back is terribly narrow, and then you get to an elevator where you need to pick up a phone. As a quadriplegic, I don't have great hand use. And so you're there with a phone that says, please pick up for access to get a key to take the elevator up to the first floor. And there's all kinds of quirky little things like that on IU's campus where you need a key or a telephone or something like that. Oh, yeah. I love Indiana University, but
0: it's, it's,
2: it's not a terribly accessible uh, university.
0: Does anybody just go around and kind of make a list? Like, you know, there, as you said, there are several quirky things like that. Yeah. Uh, seriously. Well, uh, I mean, CCA, um, the Council for Community
3: Accessibility, They've done a lot with access issues on IU campus and throughout the city, and they actually have gone out and and they do surveys, actually, of of facilities and um, help people determine what needs to be done and um, to make their facilities accessible. And then they have the DECAL program that they Mm -hmm. award to businesses that do make themselves accessible. So um, there are ways to, you know, go around and make lists, you know, and find out what's accessible and what isn't. And we just – in the CCA group, we just looked at um, uh, accessible parking on IU campus and sort of took a – survey of, of all that, and that was pretty um, pretty eye, eye-opening mm-hmm.
8: for
4: and I, our, our facility, we have an accreditation program we go through, and we're required to have basically an accessibility checklist to go through, and it's not just the physical type of things. It's looking at attitudinal, transportation, financial, all of those things as well, and so there are resources out there on the web you can look at and, and pull all of those things off and really try to broaden that perspective beyond just the physical aspect of the ADA. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. As far as information, to, to get information about accessibility issues and and issues about disability and, and training opportunities and all that, I mean, the Indiana Institute on Disability and Community is great. And they have audios – Monthly, and there are eleven sites around the state where you can go and take part in those in those audios of different, um, ac- covering different disability issues and access issues.
4: Yeah, they're, they're a subsidiary of the Great Lakes ADA Center, and they'll bring right. in nationally known speakers and and mm-hmm. cover all of those. As, yeah,
3: they're excellent trainings.
10: I've been to a number of them.
4: Okay, we have a phone call, and <coughs> Charlie, Charlie.
10: Hello. Hi. Hi, I'm also kind of a newbie. I've been blind for about five years now. And I'm so sorry I didn't get to hear the beginning of the program, and I apologize if this was covered, but I'm wondering about accessibility to certain websites and if the ADA has any say in that. And I thought, what a nice time to put a little bug in the ear of someone the Herald-Times website <laughs> is not really very accessible. Oh, my. <laughs> I'll
1: have to work on that. Yes, yeah.
10: please do. Um, I, I myself cannot tell you exactly what needs to happen, but I think Barbara and I both know someone uh, yes, who, would, who would be able to assist. And actually she has tried to. Uh, do so. Okay. So, I just wanted to put a little bug in your because yeah, I, I really it. would enjoy being able to have complete access to to the wonderful newspaper online. Well, thank you.
1: I remember we had a, a very nice story on you not too long ago too. So. <laughs> yes, Dan Vinnie, <laughs> yes, right. he, he did. He, it was
10: it was very nice. But anyway, that that was just what I wanted to say. I'm I'm really uh, glad you're having this program.
1: All right. Well, thanks a lot for the call. Okay. okay. Thank you.
10: Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's it, and it's
3: not just it's not just the Herald Times that. You you can see that web accessibility for people with vision impairments is a huge issue. I'm sorry, Don. Sure. Go ahead. And
2: I, my comment was only going to be that when you, you say, well, you know, you can make a list. And, and I think that's great. And the greatest thing that the ADA does is it gives us the individual with a disability some teeth mm-hmm. to go to the city or to go to the business owner or to go to whoever and say, if at first I've always said, Hey, what can we do to make this work? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, most often, folks are like, well, let's let's see how to make it work. But if it doesn't go any further, then you can sort of say, well, I'm going to push a little bit harder. And I think that's where the ADA um, really helps the most. And what's great about the ADA is it really started as a grassroots uh, effort by individuals with disabilities to get, get equal access. Uh, parallel, parallels very much the civil rights movement as well. Um, and so um, I guess mostly if you see something that, that doesn't seem right – Talk about it with the mm-hmm. person. And then mm-hmm. if they're not responsive, then, you know, you go to different places and you, you, you access and, and, and advocate the law.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just, just for a moment, quickly getting back to the website accessibility and, and mm-hmm. places and businesses and not knowing really know what to do. But I mentioned Crossroads earlier and there's, there's another one called VoTech Rehab. And, and you can get a list of these. I mean Vocational Rehab has a list of um, people that can let you know what to do. Mm-hmm. With your website,
1: okay, we have about five, <coughs> five minutes to go in the program, and I know we talked uh, before we went on the air about how we, you know, we didn't want to just look back; we wanted to look forward, and you know, what needs to be done and what can be done, and and uh, what are the big challenges. So, um, Barbara, I'm going to turn turn it to you first and ask you, you know, what what do we need to be doing going ahead.
3: Well. Um, uh, we just did a report card with Indiana and all the states did in, in celebration of the ADA and just looking at accessible is, uh, issues and Indiana got a C. And hey, what, we're average. <laughs> that's right. But you know what? Um, I did that survey and I on a couple of categories, I gave it a B. So, But the thing is, the one issue that is huge – for people with disabilities, and I, we've already said this, is employment
9: mm-hmm. and
3: opening those doors and breaking down those stereotypes and those stigmas, and um, so that employers are not afraid. To, to even interview somebody with disability to find out even if they're qualified for the job. And and sometimes, like I said, when you look at our resumes, you know we're someone with a disability because we worked in the disability industry because that's the only d- industry we could work in. So it, it is very frustrating employment. And, and transportation and long-range transportation development and pedestrian issues, those are the things that I just really hound on uh-huh. <laughs> all the time. So those are the areas that I'm really concerned those okay. are
4: my biggest concerns. All right. Brad? Touching on the employment piece because that's a piece that Stonebelt handles so much and, and works in many communities, not just here in Bloomington but Columbus and Bedford as well, is that you can make accommodations that may be originally targeted at someone with a disability but make the job easier for everybody. A couple of examples that come to mind are the picture-driven checklist that they use for training at some of the fast food restaurants. For people who couldn't read, that was the original – Purpose of it, but now it can be used for everybody there. And then an example I got from one of our employment consultants is one of the libraries in town had this die cut cutter machine. It was about forty five pounds, where you make little cutouts of hearts or stars or letters or different things. There it wasn't used that often. They they ended up employing a client of ours who liked doing that and was really good at it. They put it on a mobile cart so that he could access it. He was not able to lift the 45 pounds. Now it's one of the most frequently used items in (laughs) that facility because the other staff say, oh, it's so easy. I can just go grab it, roll it to where I need it and use it there. So it's just an example there of how an original accommodation for someone with a disability makes life easier for the rest of the staff as well. We've got about a minute to
2: go. I, I guess I would echo that that it's universal design. Most importantly, from my perspective, it's access to education and training mm-hmm. because um, so often folks with disabilities, even with education, are underemployed. Mm-hmm. And so how do we get those folks that have great knowledge? out there into the workforce. Mm
1: -hmm. And with uh, the last 30 seconds or so, we have an event coming up, so let's just remind people about the events that are coming up to celebrate
4: the the, uh, ADA here in Bloomington. Here in Bloomington, next Thursday, June 29th at 6 p.m. Oh, sorry. July 29th at 6 (laughs) p.m. at the Fountain Square Ballroom, uh, the ADA celebration with the City of Bloomington and the Council for Community Accessibility with uh, the Boogie Woogie and... uh, Liz, arts displays, Bart's displays poster displays. Mm-hmm. There'll be a proclamation from Mayor Cruzan. Yes. I know as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. It should be a fun time, mm-hmm. and, and then, the state event.
3: Right, that's mm-hmm. it. that's Monday, and uh, with in Indianapolis from ten thirty to one thirty in the Arts Garden, and and sponsored in part by the Indiana Institute on Disability and Community, and and the Freedom Bell and the cutting of the cake. It's going to be a big deal.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you all for being here. Uh, Monday is the official. 20th anniversary of the Americans with Disability Act. It was July 26, 1990 when that act was passed and it became effective on January 26, 1992. So thank you all for being here to discuss those 20 years. Uh, We've been talking with Barbara Salisbury, Brad Galen, and Don Weller for Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Ariana Prothero, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.